Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Okay, so just a heads up before we get stuck into episode two, it's a bit of a content warning. We are going to be talking about abortions and like procedures associated with abortions. So if that's not for you or you want to take a bit of a step back, maybe stop listening, pause and come back to it later, that's absolutely fine. Just take things at your own pace. Just a bit of a heads up as we are about to get stuck into episode two. You're listening to Season 3, Episode 2 of Kicking the Kariaki with me, Elena Guthrie. This is the original intersectional feminist podcast and we aim to subvert and challenge the norm by providing a platform to voices, stories and narratives that are ignored by the mainstream. And we did it! We released episode one of series three. Oh my God, you have no idea how happy this makes me. I honestly thought that we weren't going to do it for a while. So, And I love reading all your feedback and your messages, so don't stop. You can find me on all the socials, so at Kit Karaoke on Twitter, Facebook. You can find me on Kicking the Karaoke or drop me an email at kickingthekariaki at gmail.com. For this series of episodes, we're exploring reproductive health and covering lots of ground. Last episode, we spoke to Diane, who was an activist from the 60s, talking all about her work that she did on the Abortions Act in 1967. And it was a really, really interesting interview. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to it yet, I would really encourage you to go back because... I just felt really lucky to be able to talk to her and I felt even luckier again reflecting on it when I listened back to it. So it really is a powerful one. I remember thinking, I will fight if need be for the rest of my life. And that, I think, was just a form of words. Little did I know that at 88, I'd still be fighting. Moving on to this episode, we are fast forwarding from the 60s to the present day and talking about what it's like to get an abortion in the UK today. You know, when we spoke to Diane, it was all about the 60s and like backstreet abortions and knitting needle noras and the kind of hoops that you'd have to jump through if you wanted to have a legal abortion. So this time we're going to be talking about what it's like today, you know, the difference that the Abortions Act in 1967 had. To help me explore that is Gabriella and she's going to tell us about her experience of getting an abortion in the UK today. Here's Gabriella. My name's Gabriella. I'm a screenwriter and a tutor in screenwriting. I'm going to be 40 this year and I love cats. For this series of episodes, we are exploring the theme of reproductive health and the various nuances within that. And the reason that I reached out to you was because you've had an abortion yourself. 
please can you tell us about your story or tell us about this? Yeah, I got accidentally pregnant in 2011. And I was in a relationship, but it was not a serious, serious relationship. We were having lots of fun and I guess accidents happen. And I've never wanted to have a child. Um, I pretty much could tell that I was pregnant before I took the test, just because I sort of have quite a lot of awareness, I suppose, about my health. And then took the test, confirmed that I was, told my boyfriend. He definitely didn't want any children either. And I think for a moment there, he panicked that I might want to keep it. And I was like, no, 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 I really don't want to. So it was just a question of booking in to get an abortion. I feel like I should have prefaced this with being like the reason, I guess, that we're talking about this because there's still a taboo around it. I don't know if that's something that you feel, but that's definitely something that I perceive. There might still be some shame around it. And so I guess the the whole point of doing this and talking about it is to try and normalise it. So you booked an appointment. How straightforward was it from then? It was fairly straightforward because, and I think this is the reason why I'm always keen to talk about access to abortion, because... Obviously, there's a perception that in the UK, it is just that you book it and it's there on demand. And that's not the case. The situation in the UK is that you have to have your abortion signed off by two doctors who you've never met before. And in my case, the reason it was straightforward is because I have mental health issues. I got diagnosed with chronic depression when I was 26. And there's a history of incidents, let's say, in my, in my past from my late teens in terms of access and counselling, that means that they essentially didn't have an issue with signing me off. Had I not had those issues, I would have had to have made a case for having an abortion. So that surprised me in the fact that I never wanted to have a child and I certainly wasn't in a stable relationship or stable financial situation in order to have a child. And yet, if I had not had the mental health issues that I'd had, then I would have had to actually make a case in order to have that freedom over my body to not have a child that I didn't want to have. Having said that, every single member of staff that I met was amazing. When I went in actually for the abortion that day, everyone was incredible. And I remember very clearly trying to remember the names of every staff member so that I could write their names in my thank you card you know, when I went back. They were all incredible. But yeah, I was shocked that that was an issue. That's really surprising and quite scary, I guess, to think about that you would still, in 2019, have to make a case for you to have a say and control over your body and your reproductive rights, your reproductive health. That's absurd. It is absurd. And it's because the law has never been updated since 1967. Ever since it came in, we've essentially just had to fight for it to still exist. So it has never been updated in all that time. And that has naturally meant that it's not fit for purpose anymore. And it is based on pre-second wave feminism concept, which is still at a time where, you know, when the law was made, it was still legal for husbands to rape their wives. It was still legal for husbands to beat their wives. It's a completely outdated law. Let's say if I hadn't been accepted to have an abortion through that legal channel and had decided to find my own methods, let's say, then I could be imprisoned. And that's still the case in this country. And I think that's something that we don't 
appreciate necessarily until you're in that situation. And of course, there are services that you know are extremely sympathetic to a woman's right to choose. You are to a certain degree at the whim of what the views of your local medical services think and that's especially worrying at a time I think when we've got the kind of privatisation happening of of the NHS right under our noses so it's troubling because increasingly we're going towards a kind of more American model of government and society and we know what the situation is over there. Does that mean then in theory say a woman wanted to go in or rather a person wanted to go in and get an abortion and they didn't have any previous history of documented mental health issues does that mean in theory they could be refused the thing is 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 that if the two doctors i mean i don't know what their criteria is and as i say from what i can understand in my own experience i don't think it's standardized that was the impression that i got and it was literally a case of pointing out to them the incidents in my medical history and kind of go look i'm not somebody who should be a mother that I was able to argue that but I'm sure each person might have to argue their own case I mean whether that is somebody saying you know but I'm single and I can't afford my rent for myself let alone for a child but again it depends on what service you use and how sympathetic they are again with the worry about the privatization thing that's where it's more accessible, of course, if you have more money behind you, as with anything. But I don't think that it's really appreciated or understood that if you are dependent on the NHS to access that treatment, that it is necessarily going to be available to you by default as a healthcare issue, which is madness to me. Immediately after having the abortion, I went and volunteered for an abortion rights demo obviously it's made me fairly active and I've been able to about supporting their work because that slogan that they use is every child a wanted child every mother a willing mother and I think that's that's it basically I don't see how there's you know you can even argue anything more than that it's as terrible to have to carry a child that you don't want of anything. I think one of the things that's really struck me whilst researching this series of episodes is how outdated and how backwards these laws still are and how much of a violation it feels to not have that control and autonomy over your body and I think as a woman I think you feel that quite deeply. From a such a young age women are probably taught that their body isn't theirs. The idea of being forced to carry a child that you don't want yeah. is... I mean, it's just horrendous. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I was... Because I, I sort of realised fairly quickly that I was pregnant and obviously, you know, got the abortion arranged as quickly as possible. I was very, very early on. I wasn't even 12 weeks. I think I was like nine weeks or something. So it was very early. And even in that time, I felt like my body was under sabotage. And the very idea of having to have continued that pregnancy that I so vehemently didn't want at any moment was just terrifying to me. It made me feel a huge amount of empathy and well it's not I can't really have empathy because I haven't got anywhere near the same conditions as women around the world that don't have choice but um, the nightmarish conditions that would force anybody to have to carry a child they didn't want to term And then you add on top of that even more horrific conditions where 
that's a consequence of rape or it's a consequence of incest or it's a consequence of an unhappy relationship. You know, that is some kind of mental trauma and physical trauma that is completely abhorrent to expect any human to go through that at all. It's vile. And ultimately, when it's something that's so profoundly life-changing as having a child, then surely there should be an absolute certainty that you are wanting and willing to become a parent. I mean, how many children are there in the world that are abandoned or mistreated and, and that really could do with a loving home rather than actually having been born into a condition where they're never wanted in the first place. It sounds like a violation of human rights. Yeah, I think so. In some ways, thankfully, yours was quite straightforward. So you, you, you got signed off by two doctors. Then what was the process after that? Actually have the abortion? Yeah, pretty much. I went in, they do like an ultrasound thing to look at it and check that you are pregnant and all that. And then I went and had a chat to somebody and then said about my mental health experience. And then that was, I can't remember whether it was signature number one or number two. But anyway, by that point, it was straightforward and then the date was booked and I went in and it was very straightforward and because I definitely know that I don't want them I asked if they could fit a coil at the same time which they did so that meant that I was put to sleep for the procedure then I woke up they gave me a cup of tea um, I needed to go to the toilet before I could leave and then I left that was it pretty straightforward yeah, completely straightforward. I mean, obviously it's not entirely comfortable because your hormones are all shot to pieces because obviously your body's kind of going, oh, you're going to be pregnant. And then it's kind of going, whoa, what the hell happened there? And different coloured liquids are coming out of you for a few days, which isn't entirely pleasant. And obviously a fair amount of discomfort that evening, but they, you know, they give you painkillers. It's not fun and games by any means. And I don't think anybody goes into it thinking it's going to be like a piece of cake because when I've come across anti-choice activists the logic that they throw at pro-choice activists is that we're almost happily aborting babies all the time and it's like no 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 it's not I mean it's not that you don't kind of know what is going on and that it's a fairly significant procedure to have I mean I don't think anybody uses it as a contraceptive and there's all of those kinds of accusations. It's also the fact that it as a signifier of where your relationship could go if you made that different choice, that's fairly heavy in itself. I mean, the relationship I was in basically ended immediately afterwards. And I think that was simply a consequence of it having suddenly all got a bit dramatic and a bit serious. It went from being a, a really sort of fun-loving, enjoyable, carefree relationship to something that was serious. And I didn't want that, and he didn't want that, but that was the consequence of this bunch of cells having decided to clump together. And I'm just also, on that point, relieved that the guy I was seeing was as adamant as I was that he didn't want it, because that must be a very difficult thing if the other parent is sort of really wanting it and 
there's a sort of split decision there, then that, that must be extremely difficult. And so you talk about it being this isn't a decision that people, you know, jollily or jauntily walk into. Was there any support afterwards? They, I mean, they offered it. I, I didn't. The thing is, I'm fairly single-minded in how I go about things. I didn't have a feeling of being unsure at any point. So, and I was also, I suppose, nervous of any messages that might try and make me feel guilty about it because that had been my perception of what might happen in terms of what other advice there is. And so I just thought, well, I was always kind of unapologetic about it. I know lots of people in my life who have also had abortions and and felt very secure and confident that that was the right decision for them when they did it. So I didn't really feel the need for emotional support about that as such. I think if I needed emotional support for anything, it was the fact that the boyfriend at the time kind of called me that evening to check I was all right and then didn't call again. And so if I needed emotional support for anything, it was for that. But it wasn't for the abortion itself, no. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's, a, it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. So looking back then on your experience, how do you feel about it? Yeah, I mean, I just feel very lucky that I've had it. Gosh, for women that don't have access to it, what an absolute nightmare. I mean, I also think, you know, for anybody who, these are the stories that, again, the kind of right-wing press likes to focus on. But, of course, there are the instances of women who have had abortions and then gone on to regret it. And that's also horrifically traumatising, I would expect. But I've never for one moment regretted that decision the thought of having a child of, what would they be now? Seven, eight? Oh, Jesus, no. Just not anything that would... That would kind of... I don't think... I wouldn't, I wouldn't wish that on the child. I just think it's hard enough to be a parent if you really, really want the child. 
and I was very fortunate also with my mum in that she definitely wanted to be a mum to both my brother and I and she always throughout our whole growing up period put us first and so that was the example to me of what a parent does and I don't want to do that and that may be because I'm I don't know there could be any kinds of damning statements on what that means for the kind of character I have but it's a choice that I, as I say I don't want to have to do that so I don't think it would therefore be right for me to have a child if I, unless I was going to do that and that's my right to make that decision it doesn't necessarily make me kind of the most attractive person on the planet perhaps in terms of my character but that's the truth yeah it's absolutely your right to choose that absolutely when you look back on your experience you know with accessing it with the hospital with the doctors is there anything that you look back on and think oh that could have been handled better actually or that I mean I can't fault the treatment at all I really can't I mean they were amazing the care of the NHS was superb and obviously they're working to the regulations that they have. I think the thing that's sort of fault is the law. Ultimately, they didn't make me go jumping through hoops in order to get it. They could see my situation and that my mind was made up and they supported me and I'm incredibly grateful for that. Have you experienced any backlash as a result of having your abortion? Uh, yeah, a bit. I mean, as I said, I went and... Um, volunteered for abortion rights just as a steward on a demo literally a matter of weeks after having had it and um, there was a couple of anti-choice activists there who had rosary beads and they were praying for us and things like this and then asked about what if my mother had aborted me and I said well I would like to think that if she didn't want me that she wouldn't have had to have me and they said oh but what about if Beethoven was aborted which didn't make any sense to me at all, but that was genuinely what they said. So, yeah, there was that. I mean, the thing is, I have, because I feel very passionately about this, because of being so grateful for having been able to have the procedure without, like, horrific health consequences and, and all the rest of it, I have kind of lent in, so to speak, to the activism side of it. So when it was the anniversary year of the abortion act i was interviewed by a couple of different places one was the telegraph which did a really great article actually they focused on 10 different women and their stories and they were suitably diverse and also recognized the need for the law to be updated and then as a consequence of that a journalist from the daily mail got in touch with me and as you might expect i'm not necessarily a fan of that publication and I kind of thought about it I thought I wonder I wonder and I ended up contributing to it because I thought you know what it's probably going to be the first time the Daily Mail have unwittingly got a radical feminist on their pages and so it was interesting because what they did the journalist to be fair she was superb and she knew that my testimony was going to be totally unapologetic as it always is whenever I talk about this but it was the layout that was so interesting because they wanted to have all of the women that contributed photographed. So I got asked to go to this studio and they did all this makeup on me and I asked them, could they keep it light? Because I don't wear, I hardly ever wear makeup unless I've got to. 
So they did do a lighter version of whatever their normal standard was, but it still felt like quite a lot. And then they said that um, there was some clothes for me. They'd asked what my dress size was. And then it, they interestingly didn't show me what I would be wearing until after the makeup was on. And then they <laughs> pulled back this curtain. Oh, God. And there was this dress which I could only describe as a kind of Tory housewife dress. Oh, my God. Um, well, there was a selection. There was a couple of them. And I was just like, oh, wow. Have you got anything else? <laughs> and they're like, no, we're really sorry. That's what they've sent us. And I was like, wow, that is... They're both hideous, aren't they? <laughs> and then they had these stiletto heels that I couldn't walk in. And I just, I was just looking at it going, God, this is hilarious. Because especially coming from a film background, and I know, you know, I, I like to think I know something about visual storytelling. And I just thought, this is absolutely hysterical, what you're doing to the image of these people. I mean, I did go along with it. It was very much a kind of like, this is all we've got and you need to be in, you know, you know, you can't be in your clothing. We have, we've been commissioned to take a picture of you in this out. I'm like, ugh, okay. And so then all I had really to kind of go with is I was wearing my radical feminist earrings, which are the female empowerment symbol. And then, of course, the image that then they went with was a full length shot where you could barely make them out. But also, I mean, I'm six foot tall and by virtue of the Italian side of my family, I have got very long legs. And so my image as it went in the layout was central, was the biggest one out of all of them on the, this double page spread. And it said something about, and it wasn't a quote from any of the other interviews either, but it was something like the decision that still haunts me and haunts, I think, was in capital letters. And it was, the writing was across me. So it looked like it was my quote, which I just thought was hilarious. Because what I then had done before I left, as I got back into my own clothes, and I deliberately worn a pro-choice T-shirt that day. And I got a selfie with the photographer and the makeup artist. So when the Daily Mail article was then going out on social media, bearing in mind they've got about 10 different accounts that they constantly pump out all their articles from and then it got picked up by some pro-life lot in or anti-choice lot rather i should say in america who then were obviously pumping out images of aborted fetuses and things like that saying about how the work of the devil and blah 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 and murderers and all of this kind of stuff i then was obviously responding saying do i look haunted to you and, I, and this smiling picture of me with the and I also called out the fact that the image had been a manipulation of, you know, what the truth was and that actually I was told to wear clothes that I expressed that I wasn't comfortable in in order to present an image that was not true to the actual context of the interview. That was just, it was an interesting experience, do you know what I mean? Kind of seeing the, I mean, already obviously knowing that that's what the Daily Mail do, but then being a part of it and knowing that at least in the text, had anyone read my testimony at least, it was the antithesis of that layout and that it was unapologetic and that it was truthful from my experience, having never regretted that decision and being very grateful that I have access to it. And with the clarity about the law in there as well, because the other testimonies that were in that piece were entirely skewed in the other way and so when 
that went out as well. I mean, I was really pleased that like Mari Stokes picked it up and um, abortion rights picked it up and actually said, you know, this is the kind of manipulation that goes on when women tell their stories. So I was really pleased that it kind of went as I intended. And then the Daily Mail actually didn't share that article as part of their social media campaign. So I was, you know, I kind of felt like I've got one for the team there. With all of this then, how can we be better allies to people accessing abortion services? I think donate to abortion rights. I think if you're in a position to, as I was, but, uh, to, you know, and you've had an abortion, to get the person who was responsible for the, or equally responsible to you to also donate to abortion rights. I got in touch with that boyfriend some time ago when the abortion rights were doing a campaign for fundraising and I asked him to donate some money because I was skint at the time and he did but obviously that's not available to everybody if that unwanted pregnancy has come out of a dangerous situation and obviously don't do that but um, yeah I mean I think you know just talking about it openly with people so they know it's not something to be ashamed of I think is really important I mean I don't know any sort of so-called taboo subject that I've had direct experience of I try and talk to people about it as much as possible because I think half of the really tough stuff you do in your own brain and you become you know your own worst enemy and worst critic and can certainly you know self-sabotage and and do all that self-flagellation stuff that can just make you feel way more isolated than you ever need to be so I think in a sense if you've had that experience and you're not in you know that you feel safe to talk about it then do that do you know what I mean be open about it don't feel that you've got to hide it because actually we grow stronger by being able to communicate with one another and you know silence is the thing that's divisive and silence is the thing that causes fear because ignorance that just leads you know just arises from that so last question, is there anything that you're working on that you would like to platform, that you'd like to share? How can people get in contact with you? All that good stuff. Well, I mean, I, you know, I tend to be just on Twitter, really. So my handle is at Storytales. So it's Tales is like T-A-I-L-S. Amazing. Gabriella, thank you so much. Oh, you're welcome. For having a you're chat welcome. with me today and for being so honest about everything. I really appreciate it. Happy to. Thank you so much to Gabriella for sharing her story. I don't really know what I was expecting from that chat to begin with, to be honest, just because it's something that I've never gone through. It's never really been on my radar before, I guess. Weirdly, it felt really reassuring to just have like a really normal conversation about abortion, and maybe that's just because she, how matter-of-fact Gabriella was. And it was really nice, I guess surprising or reassuring, to find out how simple and easy to access her abortion was. I do know that this isn't the case for everyone, so hopefully through having more conversations like these with people like Gabriella and Diane, we'll be able to demystify the experience and normalise it for so many more people. With that in mind, here's to zero shame for our decisions, more education on our health services and full rights to our bodies. Please let me know what you think. I'm really interested to know, maybe you've had an abortion, and if so, what was your experience like? Did you have an abortion in another country? Did you have an illegal abortion? 
Do you think that there are voices missing to this conversation? If so, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. You can find me again on Twitter at Kit Kariaki or just drop me an email, kickinthekariaki at gmail.com. I try to respond to everyone, so definitely get in contact. And maybe you've listened to this episode or the last episode and you're thinking that you feel empowered to do something. So, for example, uh, if you want to help out the situation in Northern Ireland, you can go to the website nowforni.uk. And this is a really handy website which drafts an email for you to send to your local MP to put pressure on them to do something about the abortion laws in Northern Ireland. And secondly, if you are in a position and you can afford to donate, maybe you could consider a one-off or monthly donation to charities like Abortion Support Network. This is a charity that helps people from countries like Ireland, Northern Ireland, Malta, Isle of Man and Gibraltar with like travel to accessing safe and legal abortions. Or there's another charity called Yellow Hammer Fund and, and this is situated in Alabama and it focuses on helping to pay for abortions and all the associated expenses so like things like travel and childcare. as always hit that lovely old subscribe button so you can get these wonderful little podcast links dropped right into your podcast box or wherever you get them from next week we are going to be talking to the wonderful dr verity sullivan who's going to be chatting to us about the impact of austerity on our sexual health services Oh, and also, before I forget, leave us a five-star review, okay? I'm trying to do loads of really cool things, and I can only do this if it looks like people other than my mum listen, so please help. As always, thank you so much for listening, and I will see you in two weeks' time for episode three of season three. Ah, can't wait. See you then. Bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.